When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today's episode is brought to you by Somiga. Somiga is an Irish-based nutrition company that is headed up and led by a team of nutritionists and food scientists. At Somiga, the mantra is better nutrition, better health, and their key goal with their supplements is to create a range that has maximum bioavailability and absorption. This Omega range is quite broad. They have vitamin D, omega-3s, antioxidants, you name it. If you want to check out their range, you can head over to gosamiga.com. So that's www.gosamiga.com. And if you want a 10% discount, you can use SENUT10 for 10% off. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to another episode of the Fuel Better podcast. I am your host, as always, Evan Lynch. Let's get into today's episode. So, welcome back again, guys. I hope that you had a good Christmas and that uh, you're in a good place at the moment. And the reason I say that is this episode is pretty much a follow-on from the last episode I recorded, which I only released a couple of days ago, just before Christmas, just before people kind of come off the festive season, holidays, etc. So this this podcast has more of a future um aspect to it um from looking at the past a little bit now what i what i mean by that i'm hoping i'm uh, recording this on wednesday 28th of december at seven o'clock in the morning bright and early but if you're listening to this it's after christmas and most likely you're listening to this between that lull time between christmas and new year's and this is a hard time for people because they have maybe eaten more than they think they should. Maybe they've, they've had a couple of 12 pubs. If you're not from Ireland, you might not know what that is. Um, excess binge drinking, basically. Maybe you've just generally laxed off things a little bit more than you think you should have or more than you perceive you should have. Mostly, people feel quite negative about their body about their health they feel like they've made many dietary decisions that were negative during this time and it's not really a surprise that new year's comes with a big boom in the fitness world in gym memberships in lofty goals in fad and restrictive diets because i think it's a collective snap response an emotional snap response to eating bad 
collectively people are compensating for the festivities in December on a very minor level that can be compared to disordered eating patterns or eating disorders where someone will engage with diet maybe they'll binge eat maybe they'll do something that they thought was negative like have a bar of chocolate and they'll punish themselves with excess exercise or other other means which I'm not going to discuss on today's episode but that's be under no illusion at least for me that's what I think most new year's resolutions are it's an acute reaction to Jesus I really dropped the ball here and new year's resolutions tend to be fairly lofty and very 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 unrealistic so I want this episode to be I guess reassurance and maybe some guidance on how you should approach January and maybe look at goal setting and it's probably not what you think so let's let's take a look first of all if you are one of those people who's thinking shit you know I've really I've really fucked up here step back for a second and you know see it for what it is Christmas or the festive period in reality it's 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 nothing more than five maybe seven days where in the evening time you maybe have a couple of pints or have a couple of drinks or if it's christmas day or stevens day or boxing day if you're not from ireland um maybe it's it's a whole day of just kind of lazing around picking at things having large dinners decadent desserts etc see it for what it is guys there's 365 days in a year it's a couple of days it's a couple of meals really when we look at it for what it really is it doesn't inform your i guess personality it doesn't reflect you as a person you're not your dietary choices and you know even in terms of health outcomes research obviously says minimize high fat salt and sugar foods of course clinicians are always telling people that i tell people that all the time but i think it's important that at least i add the nuance that it's not about being perfect dietary perfection isn't it's not a thing really i guess or at least we don't agree on what dietary perfection looks like anyone who tells you they have the perfect diet are probably trying to sell you a supplement or a shitty ebook usually one of those two things but know that when we're looking at diet and behavior change and dietary change all we really want is for someone to improve their pattern of eating so their overall pattern we don't necessarily care for the most part if a day or two is suboptimal that doesn't doesn't particularly matter that much i'm going to say it doesn't matter and a lot of people are kind of taken aback by that stance because again we are conditioned to follow this idea of you know work hard be disciplined 24 7 365 no let up it's a lot of pressure and giving yourself permission to ease those reins a little bit giving yourself permission to eat with a little bit more flexibility maybe even not to track not to over focus on weight it can feel irresponsible for some or the feedback i get is people kind of don't trust 
their own ability if we leave it to them or if we if we open the gate a little bit that they're not going to manage that you know lots of people feel like they need really tight guidelines almost to be shepherded in the right direction or bullied in the right direction in some cases that's that's what people seek and that's what a lot of january looks like follow these meal plans come to these classes don't eat these things weekly weigh-ins everyone does it most people do it i should say not everybody everybody does it every year it's just not the way to go if if this kind of extreme snap reaction was the way to go it would only have happened once like oops i'm recording in my car um much like the last episode i'm i'm doing a double double whammy here recording the episodes in the morning in my car so i don't wake anybody and charging my car at the same time so i just dropped my phone anyways i will get back on point my point was if new year's resolutions and those kind of snap reactions the right no more biscuits or i'm gonna go to the gym every day if that actually worked new year's resolutions would only have happened like once ever um for you and then you were sorted forever then but that's just not how it works because diet is an awful lot more complicated than we like to think it is it's behavioral it's emotive it can be environmentally mediated it's social and it's very unrealistic to expect that given the dynamic nature of diet the variability of our day-to-day experience mood going up and down dietary preferences hedonistic tendencies all those things it's highly likely and not a bad thing either just to point that out that you're going to eat whatever food you're promising yourself you're not going to eat ever again within four weeks maybe eight weeks if you have really really good willpower and you come from a very disciplined background but that's that's about it i'd give it four to eight weeks that that's how long restrictive rigid diets last and we shouldn't do that because it's just punishment it's not effective it's not effective in the long term either and it's not a healthy thing to do it promotes disordered eating patterns and it tells us collectively that the only way i've ever lost weight is by being really restrictive and strict and that's the bit you take away you don't forget the misery you don't forget the fact that you regained the weight instantaneously and that you could only do it for about eight weeks you just focus on the before and after picture and you you soothe over that narrative that weight loss or health improvements can only happen with very strict restrictive approaches that generally exclude things i like generally it comes with obscure rules like skipping meals intermittent fasting no eating at night time only carbs at this time of the day you name it i've heard it these things come back to me 24 7 it's basically what i do for a living know that that's bollocks and it doesn't have to be like that and this is this is what i want to get into for the rest of the episode today so to i guess rehash the last chunk of um dialogue if you're feeling bad about how you've engaged with your diet and lifestyle over christmas a couple of things it doesn't reflect you as a person you are not your dietary decisions try not to identify with them also it probably isn't as consequential as you thought it was go back and listen to the last episode of the podcast if you want some better context on that but generally your perception of how 
negative your you know outcome is it's generally a perception and it's always i'm going to say always an amplification of reality so you fear i'm going to gain loads of weight from a b and c but in reality that doesn't happen or an athlete will fear well god if i have spuds at christmas dinner and you know dessert i'm going to be way slower and in reality that's not what happens you probably run quicker because you're eating more carbs anyways with that with that kind of put in a box that's the point i wanted to make don't worry about it let's let's just move on and focus on getting your pattern a little bit better when it comes to goal setting or when it comes to behavior change the one thing that i have deduced and and it's funny i i for those who don't know or you're not a habitual listener i was diagnosed with adhd earlier this year there's a good chance i have asd as well i haven't gone through the assessment process yet but there's a fair chance why i'm saying that is my personal capacity for behavior change is humblingly small and i get tripped up really easily and i have a propensity to reach for dopamine hits all of the time adhd colloquially speaking is a lack of dopamine and then as a result all of my choices are hinged around seeking dopamine whether that be from food driving quickly whatever exercise is a big one for people but just to put that out there and why why i'm saying this part of adhd there's the dopamine side of it so it's very unlikely impossible for me to just restrict all of those things or my brain will be screaming at me in a way that you couldn't and you couldn't understand it unless you've experienced it um the other thing executive function don't have any i struggle to make decisions i struggle to prioritize things i cannot organize anything and if we look at that we should think well if i want this lad to change his diet and i want him to eat these things for dinner and you know follow this kind of pattern that he's not accustomed to we must bear in mind that mentally that's a lot of work nothing comes for free and if you if you think about your brain like this think of it as you have a mental budget you can spend every day your mental capacity or your bandwidth and all of the things you do or think about that costs you so nothing is free every decision has a cost will i get dressed today what will i wear hmm i can't find matching socks will i wear matching socks will i will i keep looking or will i just wear odd socks that's actually how i started my day today just as an example um to illustrate you can make thousands of decisions you can ponder on thousands of decisions every day it's mentally very costly behavior change is hard your behavior is hardwired it's ingrained it's environmental you mentally map out your environment everywhere you go i'm in my kitchen in my kitchen i do these things or i'm sitting on the couch in the evening at night time i do these things it's a mental shortcut so you don't have to think about literally everything you do because it will be paralyzing and overwhelming so over time we develop habits and not all of them are good habits definitely not in my case anyways you can bet your money on that anyways breaking a neural pathway or developing a new habit is mentally extremely costly that's a very expensive thing to do 
And if you look at most people setting New Year's resolutions, they are setting goals or making promises to themselves that, you know, infer, you know, I'm never going to eat chocolate again or no carbs or I'm going to start intermittent fasting. And that, that one promise, it might mean they have to make five to ten big changes to their day. Maybe they have to change their shopping list. Maybe they have to go to a different supermarket. Maybe they have to go shopping more. Maybe they have to learn how to cook different things. Maybe there's meal prep involved. Maybe they have to do food picks, weigh things, whatever. You start to see where I'm going with this. People don't ever calculate the cost and how long they're going to be willing to do that for. And that's a, that's a key thing to consider. So this is something I will always tell patients and I, you can quote me on this, I say it, go back through posts, I've said it a couple of times. When someone has had their first appointment with me, especially and typically if it's a weight loss patient or someone trying to improve their diet or food relationship or they feel my diet's in a very negative place, I will often say, you should be very underwhelmed when you leave my office today. And that confuses people because you know, again, we're conditioned and accustomed to changes being big, grandiose, novel, exciting. Novel, by definition, means unsustainable. Novel is fleeting. If you want to set your bar in a realistic place, it shouldn't be an overwhelming thing to do. It should be a little bit dull, almost. I'll give you an example. If you come to me, and this happened this week, and I'm going to drop examples from this week alone. I had a diabetic patient who was trying to lose weight, couldn't figure it out. She was drinking six bottles of wine a week. It hadn't occurred to her that liquid calories are problematic. That level of alcohol alone is problematic, by the way. That's borderline criteria for alcoholic liver disease. Anyways, the compromise we made was well, could you have three bottles a week? That's still not ideal, but it's a 50% reduction. And um, we, we convinced her to do a little bit of exercise. That was it. That was the outcome. 50% reduction in alcohol. Didn't tell her to eat salad. Didn't tell her to take 15 supplements. Did ask her to do her bloods. But I asked her at the end, you know, like, what do you, what do you think about this? What, How do you feel about this? Uh, suggestion and she was almost a bit disappointed and a little bit relieved at the same time she had logged in hoping I would say listen you got to cut out the alcohol you got to just stop and here's a meal plan see you in a week and I didn't do that some clinicians might do that and I didn't do that because I know that that's exceptionally unrealistic someone who drinks that much alcohol drinks that much alcohol for a reason whether they know it or not, you cannot just change someone's behavior or coping mechanism in a cold turkey manner. It doesn't work. Minimizing it is the only way to go about it gradually. Another example would be, let's say, people who eat lots of junk food or, you know, they comfort eat at nighttime. And I have people who would eat a share bag of crisps or massive share bars of chocolates and we can often convince them down from a galaxy share bar to a dairy milk, which is 
about a 75% reduction, 60-70% reduction. And they're surprised that my advice is, well, have a dairy milk instead and really enjoy it, as opposed to don't do that. And the point I'm getting at here is you cannot, you can't just stop. You, you really can't. And the best change to make is the biggest change you can make or the, the smallest change that I can make in someone's diet that makes a difference. So it's never a case of you need to cut this out or that's very rarely the case. It's always a case of, well, how can we improve that in a way that you're likely to sustain? Can we slightly reduce your alcohol, swap your chocolate for a different portion, swap your crisps to popcorn? You walk 9,000 steps, could you walk 10,000 steps? You know, you, could you add an extra portion of vegetables to your dinner? Very underwhelming stuff. Very, very simple. I actually got a very disagreeable patient a couple of weeks ago and um <clears throat> we looked at his diet there was a couple of things there there was fry ups there was a few too many points of guinness there was a little bit of chocolate at night time and i suggested an air fryer and i suggested a different type of fried breakfast we suggested a pint allowance for the week to minimize it and we we suggested some exercise he was annoyed at the end of the appointment he said something along the lines of I knew that myself. What the fuck am I paying you for? And, um, you know, I probably smirked. I shouldn't have smirked because that's a legitimate point for from his point of view. But here's the thing. Knowledge and application have nothing to do with each other. Doctors smoke. I eat loads of chocolate. Um, people who binge drink or suffer from alcoholism or drug addiction no this is unhealthy this is not a good thing to do i should change these behaviors but the the should and the knowing you should never really translates to action so for the vast majority of people i am really just a mirror for some you know i'm just a mirror for others i am a mirror and a safe place to explore behavior change and for many then with that i'm a source of reassurance oversight uh, certainty that when people make the few changes that deep down they know they should that that's okay and that they're on track so people need the safety net at times when they don't want to go on binge restrict protocols or extreme fads or make grandiose changes because they almost think it won't work but in reality there's probably three four maximum five things with your diet that you know you should change and it would improve your health or help you lose weight and none of them are exciting that none of them are exciting i guarantee you none of them are exciting i'll give you a highlight reel of some of the changes i've made to improve my health number one I stopped using butter and I now, instead of making toasted butter, I guess, bread, seeded bread, I put some olive oil on it and I put it in the air fryer. It's a bit bougier. It's much lower in saturated fat, much better for you. The calorie content is the same, but the calories weren't the point of my choice. 
I was trying to minimize my saturated fat. The second thing I did, I have made a point of trying to have more protein instead of say, what would you say, um, chocolate type snacks in between meals. I had a very bad habit of just picking at chocolate, jellies, sweets. I work from home, they're always there, it's hard not to. If you spend your day in uh, hairdressers, you're going to get your hair cut, basically. At least I would anyways. I need a haircut, but that's besides the point. So I swapped it for protein things, protein smoothies, protein puddings, protein shakes, etc. Another change I made, I met myself where I was. This is an ADHD thing and realized I will likely never, never really have the ability or the capacity to have a work day and prepare my own meals. I just can't do it. I've tried. I often fail. So I use a lot of prepackaged things, fit food meals, NutriQuick, porridge pots. Sometimes I will actually go to a deli counter and make healthy choices there instead of convincing or messing with myself that look, today I will cook and I end up throwing out fruit and vegetables that have gone off. I don't bother. I just do the convenient things and that works for me. So those are those are three dietary behaviors that I've changed that really helped they've really helped none of those are exciting you know it would be very hard for me to make an Instagram or Facebook or Google marketing campaign on you know could you swap a dairy milk for a Freddo could you swap a share bag of crisps to a bag of popcorn or pop chips could you use fit food meals instead of you know fooling yourself into thinking you're going to make a dinner and then just picking a chocolate for the evening it wouldn't work because it's not exciting it's in i think it's interesting but it's not as captivating as say the sexy marketing you see on social media it's very underwhelming that's exactly the flavor we want so my understanding experientially as someone who would struggle with behavior change or behavior in general and working with people to successfully help guide them through behavior change what are the smallest changes that we can make that have the biggest outcome that's what we want or what are the biggest changes this person can make that they feel they can definitely do it doesn't impact their quality of life it doesn't necessarily cost them lots mentally so to speak and realistically is sustainable what do those things look like think about that for yourself you know if you're feeling negative about yourself at the moment and it's that lag time maybe you have a couple of days off you have lots of spare time to dwell on things maybe you're after consuming alcohol and you feel a little bit depressed or your mood is low it's that time of year anywhere where your, where your mood would be low and you see the marketing you see the instagram ads of these fit happy people for some reason who all have brilliant tans and um you think oh that is what i need that is probably not what you need to be honest it's just probably not um so if, if you're thinking of making a big behavior change and it it looks or sounds something like i'm never doing a b or c again or i'm going to stop x y and z or i'm going to train every day if it sounds great you're probably not going to do it that's maybe a good heuristic to follow 
if your if your health and lifestyle goals sound very big or very grandiose i would say there's not a hope you're going to you're going to stick to them that's 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 where where i tend to see people with diet anyway exercise is slightly different i should point out exercise is more prescriptive in nature plans can be prescriptive without that being disordered or negative or rigid thinking exercise is structured exercise generally has a more social context it's it's something that generally only brings about positive emotions for people it doesn't have the same emotional or behavioral ties to it some people or many people probably exercise to help moderate their mental health but very very few people will struggle with exercise the way they will with diet so the the goals can be different there the the dietary equivalent of training for a marathon is not never eating carbohydrates so they they don't uh i guess they don't track you you probably shouldn't be looking to make the biggest change or the the hardest diet to follow your goal you shouldn't be trying to make it as hard as possible or like david goggins in your diet that's that's not really how it works so diet and exercise exist in slightly different realms i think that's important to acknowledge so just because you have a big exercise goal doesn't mean you have to 360 your diet around it that's that's really important because those those two things don't match up just food for thought think about it if you're someone who's made new year's resolutions in the past or you have a history of restrictive diets followed by periods of binging or if you're worried that you know i want this to happen this year but i'm i'm just not sure or if you know you feel defeated that you've tried multiple restrictive things you've you've been reassured this will work or you've promised yourself i'm going to stick to this and it's failed time and time again you might feel defeated or that there's no hope for you in achieving your goals and i can i can tell you that's not the case but you'd have to trust me and you might even have to work with me for me to convince you of that not an easy thing to do and i think that's again an important point to maybe finish up on whilst i've basically spent this episode talking about making underwhelming changes small changes look at your behavior look at your lifestyle where can we improve it without breaking your heart i've made out that it's easy it's the easiest way to do this it's still not easy there's still a cost to it there's still a mental cost to it it still requires effort and attentiveness and persistence it's just significantly more likely to work than the restrictive extreme end of that spectrum of behavior change so that's my episode for today i hope you found this helpful or enlightening or useful i do hope that um, you don't set yourself crazily unrealistic goals for 2024 if you do there's a 100 percent chance you will be disappointed in february or march of 2024 and you'll find yourself doing the same thing again next year and we don't want that if you do want some help with this my team and i are ready and waiting for january 2024 it's going to be a big year we have a good few people on our waiting list for january 2024 if you think you'd like to work with us the inquiry form is in the show notes it's also in the link in my bio you can also email me evan at southeastnutritionclinic.com 
or you can just hit me up on Instagram, whatever it is. I'm easy to find. If you think you'd like to work with the team, please reach out. We are very, very good at helping people make sustainable changes. And we're not the people who are going to tell you you can't have pizza or bread or crisps. So if that sounds good to you, reach out. And we look forward to working with you in 2024. But for now, Merry Christmas and enjoy the new year. Oh, sorry. One more thing. If you like this podcast, you find it helpful, you find it informative. Maybe you just think I'm a great host. Thank you. If that's what you think. I would appreciate if you could share the podcast with a friend or leave a review on either Apple or Spotify podcasts. That really helps my ratings and it really helps me get that podcast out there to more people. So if you like it, I would really appreciate the share. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.